You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits, B Pro Kennels, Final Rise, and a Nook Shook Professional Dog Food. Big thanks to our title sponsor, B Pro Kennels. B Pro Kennels is a small business creating ultra high quality and custom dog boxes for the gun dog owner like you and I. No matter how big your string of dogs, B Pro Kennels will make sure you have a box that fits your needs for you and your gun dogs. With an innovative storage design and built in solar panel and battery bank for quick access to charging accessories like dog collars, lights, fans, you name it. This is a dog box unlike anything you've seen before. Check them out at bprokennels.com. Oh, and they're made right here in the USA. And this is presented by Anook Shook Professional Dog Food, the world's highest energy dog food, period. Anook Shook's dense formulations ensure your pup in training and your seasoned bird dog get what they need to succeed in the field. High protein for muscle recovery and retention, high fat for quick access to much needed energy. Anook Shook works hard so your dogs can work harder. Check them out at anookshookpro.com. This podcast is also presented to you by Final Rise. All good things start with a solid foundation. At Final Rise, all three of their premium Upland vests are built around the foundational waist belt to provide you all-day comfort and endless customization. With a secure waist belt and thin, high-quality shoulder harness, this is the vest you can load down with birds and walk all day in. Final Rise is creating high-functioning Upland gear that delivers comfort, balance, and a lifetime of memories. Check them out at finalrise.com. And this podcast is sponsored by Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field-tested and family-approved. For over 33 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best-bred Epignol Breton in the country. Trinity offers puppies, the Trinity Upland Academy with George Hickox, started dogs, stud services, and a whole lot more. Check them out at trinitybertons.com. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson. And as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Y'all know that Upland Brits was... An Instagram account I started called Gage the Britney when we picked him up in 2017. And uh, I had no intentions, zero intentions of, of growing that or this a podcast at all. Um, it was literally my wife ran it for a little bit and she, she was taking cute puppy pictures and whatever. I didn't even know there was a whole, I don't know. I, my viewpoint was so small. It was a, a small viewpoint on... I didn't know there's other people into bird dogs this much. And I didn't know there was this, this deep passion that would take over, you know, my life and, and lots of your lives as well out there. So it was kind of fun to think back and remember, <laughs> I guess, how all this started and how the passion's grown for me and now even my kids too. It's so fun to, um, so fun to see that, that develop in them. Uh, I've talked about my son Weston quite a bit and my other kids as well, but, uh, him in particular, he's, uh, He's got the bird dog bug. He uh, he loves the dogs, helps helps me feed them, and loves the pigeon aspect of things. And so anyways, full circle, 
seeing things come around, seeing that developing your kids is, is pretty special. So um, anyways, got a, uh, a good show for you today. Um, go over a couple things before we dive into the episode. Um, first off, uh, I was going to say, oh, uh, we still have uh, some up and rookie hats available. Uh, if anyone would like to pick up a hat, um, they are genuine leather patches on all the hats. Um, check out my Instagram page. You'll see a bunch of photos. Uh, there's also a story highlight, um, on my profile. If you want to check out all the hats, the pricing, all that good stuff. Um, so I have pretty much every style still available. Um, a couple of each one. So, uh, if you'd like to pick up a hat, um, these are nice premium, uh, hats from trucker hats to legacies. Um, again, look really nice. So I've been digging them. Kids have been digging them too. Weston's been, He's been wearing them every chance he can. So anyway, they fit kids actually pretty well. They're, they're not kid hats, but they, my kids have large, large heads. So it works out well for us. Um, one and two, I just got back from uh, working some dogs on some birds and it was freaking fun. It was so much fun. Uh, we had three puppies we were working. Actually, no, four. One, two, three, four. Yeah, four puppies. We worked on uh, pigeons, some quail out of a Johnny house. And man, it was so much fun. It just, oh, I love working puppies. <laughs> it's, it, they were everywhere from like nine, I think, to like 14 weeks old. And um, man, just seeing seeing the differences for one is really fun. Uh, each puppy's, how they're developing. And again, they're, they're close enough, but they're also, you know, nine weeks to a 14 week old is pretty, pretty different. So seeing that, um, gosh, just that ignites a a light in me as well. Being able to, uh, uh, again, watch these pups develop and I'm excited to see what, what they'll all turn out like. Um, so anyways, Mac, he was able to get on some quail, get on some pigeon using his nose, which was very exciting. It's always a, um, you know, I've, I've had dogs that don't point early and I, I just like a dog that points early. And, uh, he, he pointed a pigeon, uh, several weeks ago, maybe been around nine or 10 weeks, maybe about nine weeks. Um, I had him out, pointed a pigeon with his nose and I was stoked, but I haven't really done anything since then. I, I, I threw maybe two or three pigeons for him, got him excited. He was, he was super, um, pumped for those. So got him out again today. Hey man, seeing him use his, use his nose, uh, search, like seeing that develop now in him is it's fun. It is really, really fun. Um, so anyways, that went, that went well. Seeing some other pups, um, use their talents, a couple of his litter mates too. And man, it's, it's fun to watch them kind of just see where they're all at and see their differences and, and all that. So anyways, um, that's kind of a, a random tangent. I just went on, uh, but uh, the other thing I was going to mention is we are near the end of Ju- uh, not July. Gosh, I don't know where my time is going. Um, end of September, <laughs> that means. Uh, so this is the final week. Uh, you can get signed up on Patreon to be entered in the giveaway. We have two incredible prizes still happening uh, for all Patreon members. So become a Patreon member today for as little as five bucks a month. Uh, Not only should you'll be supporting the show, supporting the podcast, but um, you'll be entered into some sweet giveaways, uh, including this one. So we still have some great prizes from Cable Gangs and Gunner Kennels. So head over to Patreon, get signed up, and I will announce the winner on October 1st. So that'll be, uh, I'll announce the winner October 1st for the September giveaway. And then we still have one more month of giveaways available. So lots of fun stuff happening over there. Um, also, 
for Patreon members, you guys get a discount on hats. So if you want to save a little money on a hat and you're, you want to pick one up, double whammy. You not only get entered into the giveaway, but you'll also get a discount on the Upland Rookie hats. And I'll throw some stickers in. So um, anyways, the I was going to go over real quick. Um, this past September, well, this past September, we are in September still. Golly. I got too much going on right now. Um, my my September hunts. I was going to go over kind of my top three pieces of gear that I uh, used in September, and we're just kind of either surprised by or or kind of like must have things. And it was really really hard to kind of narrow down top three things, but I did it. And don't get mad at me because one of the items is a product from one of my sponsors, Final Rise. So. And so this is not a, a plug. This is just a product that I didn't know how much I would enjoy, but I did. And so that, that's just fair warning that's in there. Um, so uh, first piece of gear that um, just, I'll just name it, that surprised me and I was so incredibly thankful for were the gloves from Final Rise. Yes, the gloves. I just thought it'd be another pair of gloves, like, ah, like whatever. They're going to be just the same as everything else. Um, golly, was I wrong. They were super nice, um, especially hunting blue grouse in the mountains. Went on uh, three or four uh, blue grouse uh, hunts, and they were just so freaking comfortable. The low, the low cut cuff. Um, a lot of gloves will kind of like ride up pretty high in your wrist and it was just fine. It just gets in the way of your watch and if you're wearing long sleeves and anyways, um, I didn't know how much I would enjoy the, the feel, the comfort of these, um, and just the durability. Like I, I was trekking through some thick, thick cover, some down trees, logs. I took a couple spills <laughs> as well. And, um, man, these things were, were game changers. I mean, I, I don't know how you would hunt in the mountains like that without, a good pair of gloves. And so that was just a piece of gear. I, I went into it thinking, ah, whatever. It's a, it's, it's a pair of gloves. No, these are, these are nice. <laughs> these are really, really nice. So, um, that is one piece of gear that I just, yeah, will always, always have in my vest. I'll probably gonna buy another pair, keep it in my truck as well. So check out the gloves from final rise. That was a piece of gear that I, it really impressed me. Number two, um, are, <clears throat> and I'm not sponsored, uh, by crispy, but my crispy Nevada boots, um, man, uh, again, blue grouse hunting, uh, incredible, but, but prairies anywhere I hunt, I'm wearing my crispy Nevada boots uninsulated. Um, I was just reminded again, kind of going through the mountains that kind of hit me, but, uh, having a, a stiff, very dense sole boot, um, going through the mountains, walking over trees, logs, dirt, I mean, you name it, it is tough, tough country. Um, you know, sure. I walk the road sometimes, but I'm, I'm getting in there. <laughs> like I'm, I'm getting into the thick, nasty stuff and sure it's tough. And maybe there's easier ways to hunt blue grouse, but, um, it was fun. So anyways, those boots, um, a, a game changer, just having, having something that's solid, that's, um, you know, good ankle support. It's about, I call it like a mid, mid height boot. Maybe, I don't know. Um, Uninsulated, you, you know, your foot doesn't get too hot, especially upland hunting. I've had these things for th two, no, three seasons. This is my third season with them now. And um, yeah, I was just reminded going through the mountains um, a couple weeks ago of, of the, you, anyways, I'm, ran, I'm, I'm flabbering now, but um, just a quality pair of boots. And so my Crispy Nevadas, again, made my, my top list. 
Um, okay, another item um, was my, and this is kind of funny because I'm pairing this with my episode today with Brennan Landry from Cable Gangs, but my Cable Gangs tie-out system. Um, I've had this for two seasons now. Yeah, so my second season with this. And again, I, I won't leave home without it when I'm traveling with my dogs. Um, Brennan and I talk about this a little bit in the episode of as far as kind of why are we using the tie-out system, what's the purpose, reasoning, and um, but man, uh, you know, camping, um, chasing sharp tails and chickens in Nebraska, you know, staking the dogs out easy, rolls up easy. It's durable. Um, just kind of a, a, an essential piece of gear for me that I am ne- again, never going to leave home without. I, it keeps, uh, or I keep it in the back of my deck system rolled up, uh, two ground stakes and it just gives you so much peace of mind. Whether you're camping for recreation or for hunting, uh, if you have your dogs on the road with you, having a quality tie system like the Cable Gangs one is, again, a must for me. Um, and what else was I going to mention? There's one other piece of gear that I was thinking about. Golly, what was it? I can't remember now. Anyways, um, yeah, I'll think of it later. I'll, I'll put it up on social media or something. But anyways, those are kind of things that stood out to me this first month. Again, maybe I'll do this once a month and just kind of go say, hey, this month for my hunting trips, what I've been what I've been doing, here's kind of some of the gear that has stood out to me and stood the test of time. Um, there was a couple things I packed. Like I, I overpack some things. Like I, I packed my truck for my early season uh, Nebraska hunt and I just had so much extra crap in there. I never used, <laughs> I need to probably need to write a list down of, of some of the stuff I didn't use, but, um, I feel like I overpacked like clothes, for example, like, like I think two or three pairs of pants, maybe is probably enough, maybe even two. I packed like four and I, I only wore one. <laughs> I mean, again, a couple years ago I, I got soaked and it would kind of ruin my hunt, but, um, I think two pairs of pants is probably good. I overpacked some things. I was just kind of annoying <laughs> having all this extra stuff in my, in my truck. Um, oh, you know what I did though? I forgot on my uh, Nebraska hunt. I don't know if I told you this or not. I forgot my um, cot. <laughs> I brought the tent. I brought the sleeping pad, but I forgot the cot that I, I just got this year. I'm super excited to use it. And so um, I got to Nebraska, setting up my camp. And I was like, where's my cot at? Is it in the back seat? No, it's not there. Is it in the bed of the truck nope not there <laughs> so anyways had some choice words in the middle of nebraska when i realized i forgot my cot but anyways guys i hope everyone is doing well i hope everyone had a great great uh opening month of the season i hope you made some memories uh with with some family and friends and maybe your kids and, and your bird dogs as well i mean it's a special time to get out there and you know, start chasing birds and explore the new areas that you're going to try and, you know, see all the work that you, you know, put into your dog kind of pay off and come to fruition, uh, in the, uh, in the field. So hope everyone had a great, uh, great opening month. Um, there's still a lot of hunting left. You got all of October, November, December, some January, depending where you live. So maybe even, even February for Chucker Hunter. So, um, anyways, uh, hope everyone's doing well. Tag the Upland Rookie podcast in uh, your social media posts and would love to see kind of what you're experiencing out there and how your hunts are going, what you're learning. And, uh, I'll be sure to share some of that, uh, over on the Instagram and Facebook page. So anyways, without further ado, we're going to jump into episode 61 with Brennan Landry of Cable Gangs. Well, that's awesome, Brendan. Um, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, I've been so excited to uh, to get you on the podcast, Brendan. And uh, 
why don't you why don't we start off uh, just give us a little overview of uh, of yourself and put us on a map where are you talking to us from so <clears throat> i'm uh, brennan landry i'm from port allen louisiana um owner of founder of cable gangs uh tie out systems and just a everyday run-of-the-mill bird hunter basically so <laughs> that's awesome man you are the first guest from louisiana on here on this podcast so congratulations (laughs) thank you (laughs) congratulations (laughs) well there's some good people from here man you may enjoy interviewing a few if you can um uh translate the heavy accents (laughs) we have down here i have a hard time hiding mine um I remember you told me that a while back. You're like, oh, man, if you get me on here, it's a you know, hard, hard yeah. time understanding my accent. I'm like, it's not exactly. bad at all. <laughs> Hopefully you can yeah, understand gets, my worse. Chicago accent. <laughs> yeah. Is that where you're from originally? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, there's some things I pronounce kind of weird, so bear with me. Okay. I'm ready for it. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're going to be like, what is that? Um, talk to me a little bit about, I mean, raising bird dogs, being an upland hunter in Louisiana. Like, what's that? What's that like? So for here, the, the major game is uh, American woodcock. So we get winter flights. This is a huge um, endpoint migration for most of those birds out of both flyways, the eastern and the central um, woodcock flyways. So about November, we start to load up with birds, and they could be here as late as uh, March in some years. So, And there's a little bit of wild quail hunting. Um, it's not easy. It takes a lot of miles to find them. I'm not good at it. They're definitely, uh, for the most part, safe for me, but I do try every once in a while. <laughs> and um, it's fun to get into those every every uh, so often as well. So Yeah, I bet. I bet. Now, have wild quail, were kind of like um, maybe like a Georgia or somewhere like that, were they really good back in the day from what you know? And then they just kind of have yes. dwindled? It was phenomenal, even into the 80s from what I understand. Um a lot of people around here had bird dogs and uh, hunted quail religiously, you know, consistently hunted quail and had good success. But um, as the numbers went down, I guess they didn't they didn't um, convert to woodcock as easily as, you know, people in my generation who never had that experience of great quail hunting. So, you know, we I'm happy to go out and point and shoot woodcock. And, you know, if I can find quail occasionally, great. But if not, it's not uh, it's not worth quitting bird hunting for me. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so the woodcock keep keep you coming back. It sounds like that's that's kind of the bread oh, and yeah. butter. Yeah, pretty much for here. That's that's what you got. That's that's the big game in town. So, yeah, that's if you cool. don't like woodcock hunting. You got to do something else. So. Yeah, go go find a new new hobby. Yeah, deer hunt or whatever. Yeah. Now I've I've never hunted woodcock. Um, I, w- I would absolutely love to someday. But um, sounds like it sounds like a ton of fun. Sounds like you, you can get some pretty good dog work from woodcock too, right? From what I understand, yeah, holding pretty tight. Yeah, they'll hold. They hold really tight. They'll um, sometimes you'll get a a bird that's holding just a couple feet in front of a your dog's nose. You know, they um, occasionally they will run, but for the most part, yeah, they're they're really tight holding birds, and um, you can find them in some really concentrated numbers sometimes, which also really fun so yeah that's awesome man that's awesome well brennan we are uh, we're going to unpack a whole lot more here on this episode definitely want to get into uh the company cable gangs that you started not too long ago um as well as kind of the meat of this conversation i'd love to talk about the importance of a tie out system uh been wanting okay. to get someone on for a little while to talk about that a little bit more um people ask me sometimes hey like why like, why do you put a dog on a tie out system so definitely want to unpack that but we're going to back it up a little bit 
uh, to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your your upbringing into upland hunting, bird dogs. Like, where did that obsession start, or where did that passion start for you? Uh, I started <clears throat> when I was really young. I was chasing you know blackbirds and stuff around with a pellet gun or whatever. You know, just bird hunting, take them home, clean them, eat them. That's where basically where hunting started for me. Uh, my dad and I, we did some squirrel hunting and stuff like that um, when I was probably before I was 10 years old. And, um, you know, he had he had a dog that he told me a lot of stories about. He had this dog, BJ, and um, he would tell me these hero stories about retrieves and stuff that this dog would make. She was a, a lab and it always intrigued me a lot. And when when he and I were getting big in the I was, I guess, old enough and big enough for him to take me duck hunting with him. I started getting an interest in getting a lab. So when I was about nine, he got, he bought a dog for me that, um, I was supposed to train and, you know, I worked with her and I mean, she was a terrible dog, but I, I did the best I could with her. And, um, you know, she would get birds and I would, I would take her on my side out and go and shoot blackbirds and things like that and let her retrieve them for me. So it, um, it all basically started there. He and I started duck hunting, um, probably this is probably almost 1990 you know a long time ago i was nine years old and um it was it was a really great spot we used to be in um he put me in stocking waders from walmart 14 dollars a pair <laughs> there you and, go uh, <laughs> we'd go out there and he'd drag me in a piro and uh yeah we'd duck hunt and um that's cool i fell in love with it there so that was that was where i started waterfowl was really waterfowl and dove hunting was where i started um <clears throat> to really like grow a passion for bird hunting and labs and retrieving retrieving uh dogs but uh as i got older and duck hunting started to get a little less consistent i got into uh woodcock hunting and once that started it was just i fell in love with it it's you know to me it was it was more um contact with working a dog you're kind of working a dog for three or four hours straight instead of just you know shortly for you know a few retrieves in the morning and it was just it was just something that it yeah. it really resonated with me and i've uh, been in love with it ever since that's awesome man so just to to take that step further a little bit with woodcock hunting I, again i can't imagine it's like a super popular thing you know, woodcock hunting, upland hunting in Louisiana. Like I said, what was that tipping point for you to, that kind of brought you into the woodcock hunting? And when did the, when did the, the dogs come into play? Um, so I initially got a, my first Brittany. This was about 11 years ago. I initially got her to supplement duck hunting because the club I was in was primarily deer hunters. So they had come up with some rules to where we were only going to duck hunt two or three days a week. Hmm. So... Um, I decided to get one because I had a guy in the club with us who was um, who had bird dogs and he was um, using his dogs to hunt woodcock. And I went with them one time and it was it was a blast. I mean, I was okay. sold the first time I went. So I figured it would be a good idea to get one to supplement that, you know, those days a week that I wasn't going to be able to hunt waterfowl. Um, and then over time, after about three or four years in, I was just. I was going on public land and hunting woodcock more than I was hunting waterfowl. So it just, I ended up getting out of the club and just totally committing to this and needed more dog power. Cause all I had was one dog. So I started to pick up, you know, I picked up my other two pointers I have now and just 
kind of snowballed from there, you know? Yeah. That's what happens. I feel like when you, once you, once those dogs kind of come into play, yeah, it's this, this slippery, uh, slippery slope of adding <laughs> more and you got to have the dog power, you know? Yeah. It's all about dog I mean, power. Come on. <laughs> you got to have it. <laughs> um, so Could do you still have by with one dog? Yeah. No. Um, do you still have that first Brittany? Yeah. Or, yeah. She's, okay. Uh, so how, she's how was she in her 12th year? Yeah. Okay. And so how, so you got her kind of originally almost as a, you said the supplement duck hunting. Did you, did just, you ever do just, any duck yeah. hunting with her? No, only okay. woodcock. Yep. Okay. okay. I, I never used her for retrieving. I always had a with a Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're taking the Brittany into a duck blind. That's pretty cool. No, no way. I still have my lab. I actually got a lab. Six months later, I got the Brittany. So I was training two young oh, wow. dogs at once. That oh, was wow. about 11 years ago. So. Oh, geez. It was but busy, you, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet it's busy. Did you just kind of yeah. dive in. Like, he, like again, what was that learning curve like for you? Again, diving into this, now picking up your own dogs. You got the lab, the Brittany. Like, where'd you <clears> turn to for like, okay, now I have these dogs. What do I do with them? How do I train them? So when I was 11 or 12 or 13, I was, they would be uh, seminars occasionally near my house for uh, like a local retriever club. And I would go and attend those, learn as much as I could. I mean, I'm ever since day one, I've been a student of, you know, anything I can learn or get my hands on to learn about dog training or different methods and techniques. I, I just soaked it up, you know? So I started going to those seminars, reading books, getting DVDs, started with the, the retrievers. But, um, <clears throat> and then when I got the, the Brittany, it was, it's a lot of parallels, you know, as far as consistency, um, is the, the actual drills and the, the work that you do is different, but there's a lot of similarities as well. So I was already pretty solid on, um, good obedience work, um, taking small steps, you know, with labs when you're teaching things with them. True. So it's basically just something I rolled over. And, uh, I mean, I didn't do the best job with my Brittany. The first one I had, it was more just plant birds, take her out in the field. If I can get her stopped, even with a check cord, try to shoot it for her, let her retrieve it. I mean, there, I know there's a lot more to it than that now. Um, especially, you know, when you're talking about getting dogs broke, steady to wing shot and fall. And, um, but back then, I mean, that's basically all I was doing was obedience work in the yard and then, um, planting birds and trying to get them shot for her. Yeah. That's, that's cool, man. Yeah. I love just kind of diving in, figuring it out yourself and yep. just seeing where, where it takes you. Um, so when did, when did the pointers, when did they come into play? So you had the Brittany, you had the lab. Mm-hmm. Now what, what led you down that, <clears throat> that path? So when my Brittany was about five or six, I went, I drove up to Texas, like Northeast Texas and picked up another one. Um, a couple months later, I was out in West Texas on a hiking trip and the dog ended up disappearing and, um, couldn't find her, searched all over, you know, put out signs, um, made a bunch of posts on social media and stuff. Never ended up finding her, but, um, I had just gotten, I just built a loft. I just had a bunch of homing pigeons that I went and started my own flock and I knew it was time for me to start another dog. So I kept seeing this ad in uh, gun dog central, this guy from, Sinla had a litter of pointers, um, and they were all, they were really I want to say they were like a hundred or hundred and fifty bucks. After calling him and talking to him, he was you know talking about what the parents did and they hunted. I mean, I took a really big chance on her, but that was how I ended up with Sprinkles. Um, I like to call her a diet pointer because uh, she's she's a dropper, so she's like half setter, half pointer. She wasn't all pointer, but after seeing the things that she would do after just a couple years. And compared to the 
the Brittany that I have, it kind of got me thinking, Hey, you know, there's something to this pointer thing. You know, I want to, I want to get this, uh, I like the way this dog will kind of go as far as I let her. Um, she's finding more birds at a young age. And that's just, that's just a comparison with my Brittany, not saying anything bad sure. about Brittany. It's one of the, the best woodcock dogs I ever saw in my life was a Brittany. Um, but I like the pointers. I like the style. I like the big race they had. And, um, so I got her and she turned, I got sprinkles. She turned out really good. That's my diet pointer. And, um, you know, researching when it was time to add, add another one, I started looking up cover dogs and things like that. I ended up uh, stumbling upon high five kennels. That's uh, Bruce Miner up in Michigan. Okay. He's got a bunch of, he's got champion grouse dogs. I mean, he's got really nice pointers that are um, winning trials on woodcock and grouse. So I ended up contacting him and talking to him a lot, you know. At that point, I was still kind <clears> of <throat> apprehensive about a pointer, you know, because you read all this stuff about, woodcock hunting and things like that now you need a dog to work close and these pointers are big runners and all that that um, was gonna be my next question is like yeah. again i don't think the typical person thinks of a pointer in a in a, in a woodcock dog or a thick cover they excel at it um, honestly they um yeah it's just it's putting a handle on them it's really important to do that you know when you got a dog that might want to range a lot and once you once you let them earn their range and you see that they're holding birds and stuff like that, I mean, you can kind of just let them roll. They're going to go as far as they need to go to find a bird, but hunting with you, handling for you, um, you're not going to see them a lot. I, I run a bell and a GPS on mine, but um, I keep them in earshot with the bell and you find them, you find them pointed a lot. That's for sure. Um, that's all that matters, right? <laughs> that's, that's really what matters. And I like, I mean, for me, for my style of hunting, I love that big, fast, exciting race uh, that a cover dog, a pointer, or I mean, setters do it, Brittany's do it. They all do it. Um, but for me, but that, that's what you're looking for. That's what I, excites I love you. that. Yeah. That's what I like. I like the, I like the big, exciting race. I like being, I like, I, I mean, I don't like to just run a dog and relax and just kind of like, you know, smell the flowers. I like to be mentally glued to that dog. Like, sure. That's, that's kind of like, I don't know. I like being tied, like really tuned into it like that. And I mean, with those pointers, if you take your mind off of them for a second, they're, you don't bend them around when you need to. They may be 300, 350 yards through a cover. And yeah. Just, so do your dogs, and I guess, do your dogs do this and do you like, like, do they check in a lot? Do you like them to check in or do you just let them go? You kind of, again, audibly with the bell, GPS, you know where they are? I definitely, um, <clears throat> I handle them. I'm, I hunt really loud in the woods. I mean, I'm always singing out to them and stuff, you know. Um, you don't have to be quiet to hunt woodcock and that's good. Um, so I'm hollering out to them, here, you know, they're they'll bend around out front and show and I'll let them make their move. And if they start to get, you know, a ways out or I want to go a different way, I holler back out, they'll bend around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I handle them. I keep them within, you know, a reasonable range. I'm not going to let them just go 400 yards through a cover, you know, but sure. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, you're definitely keeping them tied to you. And, you know, with this young dog I have, she, she'll try you every time down, you know, she's going to try to blow out. And a lot of times, right. When I, I turn her loose, she'll try to make like a two or 300 yard move. And I just kind of got to keep her reeled in, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, that's cool, man. That's yeah. cool. I like that drive you, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it, it's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> it's sexy. You got to sure. learn. 
again, like you said, it's something that excites you. It's like yep. you're, you're attuned into that dog and where they are, where they're going, what the pursuit is. And yep. yeah, I don't think, yeah, I'm, I'm not out there to like, oh, this is lovely. Like, yeah. No, you're, you're there for a job. I want, I'm not into sports. I'm not into race cars. I'm not into anything, but I want to see extreme athleticism, you know, in my dogs and like that. That's where I kind of like the, you know, the excessive power and horsepower and speed and you know yeah. that's that's where that's, I kind of get it from. But you read <laughs> exactly. a lot of you read a lot about like um, oh Britneys are good for but you know how American Britneys are you have them they'll blow yeah. out and run huge too you know totally yeah if you if you don't if you shut up and don't say anything like yeah, yeah. Gage is going to get out get out there for a couple he's, hundred yards and he's going to roll for sure exactly yep. now have you have you dabbled or, or tried and gotten into any of the trial side of things or you just hunting your dogs or never run a trial um i, I think I, i've got one i'm going to run this january the guy's putting one on in louisiana i'm going to go try and run it um so that but that'll be my first time okay that's awesome yep. which uh, which dog are you gonna run I'll probably run Velcro, which is my young pointer, and I may run Sprinkles. Not sure. She's okay. um, I don't know. If I ran her, it would just be because we don't have a ton of in you know enrollment or whatever. <laughs> you we need some you more dogs. You need more and dogs, braces, right? Okay. <laughs> oh, Sprinkles! I love those names, Sprinkles and Velcro. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> my daughters. They name all my. Dogs. I was going to say, did your your kids name names. those dogs? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just go That's with awesome. it, you know. I, I, some sometimes I think uh, people take names too seriously, you know. I mean, it's just a dog <laughs> name. You can call them whatever; yep. they don't care. Yeah, <laughs> they really don't. They don't mind. They don't care. They don't at mind all. at all. No. <laughs> I uh, the recent dog we picked up, we named Mac after McKinnon from the Avalanche, mm -hmm. big hockey family. But in my mind, going into the naming this dog, I'm like, I want to name him like a hunting name, like an outdoors name, right? But once the kids, we talked about Mac for a second, they were all about it. They're like, nope, this is it. He's naming Mac. And it took me a second. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> like, matter. That's right. Yeah. yeah, so I ended up with a Sprinkles. But you know what? I love that name now. I think it's, you know, it's silly, but whatever. I got well, a dog we'll named to, Sprinkles, you know. We'll have to track this, Brennan. So a couple years from now, we need to kind of see – the, the trends start. There's going to be a couple more sprinkles out there, I bet. I hope so, man. That's a great dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. I agree. What was uh, what was last season like for you? What uh, what were some of the highlights, some of the, the key learnings or takeaways for you uh, uh, for hunting season? Um, highlights for me are always when I get out with my son and, you know, I'm just working dogs and he's shooting and he's having fun mm. getting some birds. Um, he and I had some really awesome walks. We, uh, one day we went out and I'm starting to make him kind of carry, remember to get his own shells and things like that now, you know, not just like carrying everything for him, kind of giving him some account, you know, responsibility there. And um, so he, I think he loaded up a decent amount of shells, but I bet we were about an hour into the walk and he was out and we were still pointing woodcock and we even ran into a covey on the way out, a covey of quail. So it was like, man just watching everything fly off but that was it was super memorable just to get into that many birds and um just having fun with him out there other than that um i enjoy even running on woodcock during the season without a gun just carrying a cap pistol and i had some really good days with um my old training mentor frank barrett he and i went out and uh got into a pile of birds one day i think we had six dogs we each ran all of our dogs and um got into a bunch of birds and just 
ran them broke and had fun. Shot a few, got a lot of good dog work in. And um, <clears throat> another day that was really fun, I had a buddy down from Pennsylvania. Um, he comes down, he's, he's starting to come down here to train in the winter. And he and I just ran tons of dogs. I bet we ran probably almost 10 dogs that day. And didn't uh-huh. find a ton of birds, but we got some good dog work. And it was, I was in a new area I'd never been, just going off, you know, map pins. And we went in there and, you know, found 20, 25 birds and just had some good dog work. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Those are, yeah. those are the memories that uh, oh, yeah. it's, uh, are going to stick with you, not just this year, but I think for years to come. Yep. That's cool. You, um, last thing I kind of wanted to ask you about, um, I mean, you're always posting stuff of, you know, getting your dogs training, steadying them up. Um, do you, do you have your dogs broke all the way through the release, the fall, and then just, and you don't, don't take us through the whole process, but like, where, where'd you learn that from? I know you mentioned a mentor, like you take, take us through that, that training progression maybe. Yeah. And in, in theory, they're broke like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. When you, yeah. as soon as you say they are, yeah, they're not, they're, they're never done at all. You always got to work on them. But, um, yeah, I just, I basically do my buddy, Frank Verrett is, He's an awesome dog trainer. I mean, anything a guy tells me to do, it's always worked. And I think it's rare to find somebody you can say that about. Um, but, yeah, I, he taught me – the way he taught me is, um, you know, barrel board work, things like that, to uh, show the dog to stand still, get them standing still, even when they're young, just teaching them, teaching them to learn to learn and that you putting your hands on them isn't a bad thing. So if you have to go up to them after they move and set them back or something, they're not like cowering or letting down or anything like that. And then, um, slowly introducing flying birds while you have them standing like that the whole time, running them in fields, letting them knock and chase and not overlaying any of that work. And, um, eventually, you know, they start putting two and two together. Once they get about a year, I'm not going to even put an age on it, but once they're hunting hard and pointing birds and not ripping them anymore, um, which I let them go through all that. I love to see a puppy starting to find its own birds and just ripping them out of there and then off to the races. <laughs> that gets me excited. As excited <laughs> as a nice exciting. boat find, but, um, <laughs> you know, doing that and then letting them, letting them go through that stage, letting them raise hell for a while. And, um, then eventually starting to slowly overlay that yard work and take the chase out yeah. until you got them standing real nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've I've seen the barrel stuff. I've seen some of the play sports stuff. I haven't haven't tried that yet, but mm-hmm. um, looks looks like a very effective uh, effective way for sure. It's just you know it's one of those things. Some people hate it. You know, you hear some people say there's no barrels out in the field, and you know there's a lot of people that don't use it and have really nice dogs that are broke sure. and look like a million bucks after flushes and all that. And it's just you know it's one of a thousand methods out there to get it done. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I, I think I said that on my the Smith interview and I, in my little opening. I was like, "There's there's one way to do it, or, or there's one way here, but then there's twenty other exactly. ways, you know, to do the same thing." So yep. it's all what works for you as the as the handler and the trainer, and so everyone's got to find their find their sweet spot of what works for them and their dog. So. Yeah, and don't don't you know don't subscribe to just one method and just like be glued to it. You know, take pieces you like from here, take pieces you like from here, and just you know. But by, by the time it's said and done, if you end up with a nice dog that has is composed on its game and doing what you want it to do, it doesn't matter, you know, what route you had to go to get there. Yeah, exactly. It's like as long as you got there and you had fun and you enjoyed yeah. it. And, 
That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, kind of, I guess, carrying along the, the lines of training a little bit, um, I'd love to kind of unpack a little bit more. Um, let's, let's talk about the importance of a tie-out system for a dog. Okay. First off, why? Like, let's, let's talk about why. Someone, someone, let's, let's take someone, uh, maybe picked up a, a new dog, they have a young dog, they just haven't heard of this before. Right. You know, why would, they, why would they want to do this? Well, a tie-out is, one, it's a, it's, it becomes a place for your dog. It's his place. It's a place where they can relax, eat, drink, um, relieve themselves, lay down, rest, stand up, pay attention to things around them if they want. But they have to be patient. They have to sit there, and they're learning to um, they're learning that neck cue while you've got them on there. Um, <clears throat> as far that's from a dog standpoint. Some people think that they can learn things from watching other dogs on a stakeout. I don't really necessarily think that that is a hundred percent true. Um, if dogs could learn by watching other dogs, I think it would be a lot easier to train them, but maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. But, um, as far as that, and then from a person's standpoint, it's just easy to have your dogs on a tie out. It's easy to feed them. It's easy to get them out of the box. Um, let them stretch, let them have a spot, get them in the shade out of the hot truck. Um, if you got wet dogs and bedding in your boxes, you can let them sit on the tie out or the stakeout or whatever and dry out and um I'm trying to think of some other things but but brennan but brennan uh i put the dog in the tie out and it barks it barks in the tie out. what do i do you don't do anything <laughs> you let it bark <laughs> and you wait until it's calm and then you go over there and you tell him what a good boy he is <clears throat> so uh so you, like a new dog a brand new dog if I would, I put them on, you know, a single stake out immediately. If you have a new dog that's never been on one, you can put the stake up against a wall or a fence, something where it can't like necessarily circle and kind of move around too much. Um, let it sit there, but get where you can watch it. And, um, as long as nothing's happening, if he's just whining and pulling, that's no big deal. You just kind of watch, but take yourself out of the equation, you know, um, like walk away. Yeah. But where you can see him or her and, um, you know, pay attention as soon as he calms down, walk over there and give him a treat, tell him what a good, what a good puppy is. And, uh, mm. then let him off and go play. You know, that's a session number one. Yeah. So you're, so yeah, you're, you're acknowledging the good behavior, the calm, right. the calm demeanor. He quieted down. Like you're going back exactly. and saying, Hey, you know, good, good job. And then will you, will you kind of leave him again? So, so take us through that scenario. He's barking, he's going crazy. Finally comes down. You go over. I'd probably, now do you, do you walk, walk away again i'd probably take him off for that day that'd be a session even if it was two minutes before it calmed down that'd probably be you know first day okay we're done with that now and then i may repeat it again the next day until you know okay. there's times where you're just hanging out outside and you can put them on the tie out whether it's one dog and you have a single stake or you have a whole tie out uh, gang with multiple you know you get them sitting there and you're out there barbecuing or something you know and they're just hanging out for 20 or 30 minutes just being calm learning their spot and it, you know you can even do that with older dogs so with teaching them to calm down and just sitting there and not not being uh rowdy or jumping on people and things like that yeah that's a, that's a really good thing because again with with me jumping into you know bird dogs and hunting and all that like the first couple things you start researching is like their kennel like their right. kennel Again, they're den animals, you know, they should learn to be calm and patient in there, which made perfect sense. It wasn't until a couple years into this where I, you know, again, saw someone having their dogs on a tie-out system 
and then it, it kind of started to click for me a little bit of like, oh, like kind of the same concept, right? Sure. Like it, it's a place where they can get comfortable, relax, calm, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a thing that just a lot of maybe people new to this just don't realize. Like you hear about the kennel, it's very popular. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> but the title system is maybe not as popular. Do you know why? Like why? <laughs> is, there, is there a reason for that? Or I, think, I don't think it's a it's necessarily something that's high on the list of essential gear like a kennel or dog food or, you know, vaccinations and things like that for most people. Um, sure. And like you said, people may just not have heard about it or know the benefits. But, um, I, you know, if you ever go to a training day and you use one and somebody's got their gang out and their dogs are all collars dressed ready to go and they're kind of working through them um and you kind of get to use it and see it in action so right around this time we had a small audio issue so i'm going to use this time to remind you to become a patreon supporter today uh we still have two more months of giveaways happening over at patreon.com so sign up for as little as five bucks a month and not only support the show but be entered into some sweet giveaways and have a discount on upland rookie hats where you can get to them all easily, just things like that. Once you start using it, then you kind of see, okay, this is a major benefit to me, especially if you've got multiple dogs. But even with yeah. one, I mean, you know, you can use a single stakeout and have one dog where, you know, if you're at your hunting camp or something like that and you just want your dog to hang out and you're outside and you don't want them wandering off or ended up chasing a possum or a rabbit out yeah a half it's mile. peace of mind for you know? sure it's, it's a peace, peace of mind, mind going yeah. i know where my dog is he's not mm-hmm. in the kennel so he can like you said walk around a little bit do his business eat drink mm-hmm. but you're not having to worry about yeah you're at a campsite or yep um even at, at trials i've you know i've gotten into some trials over the last couple of years and again there's a long they're long days you get there exactly. early you're there late and i want my dog in the kennel the whole time and so being able to have like a some kind of tile system like that Again, he's yeah. out in the fresh air, get him in the shade a little bit. like, <clears throat> Yeah. And having him restrained and safe isn't a bad thing, you know? Yeah. Like especially like you said, I mean, wandering around, they're burning up energy, maybe getting into something they don't need to get into. Totally. Um, it's just a, a, a good, safe spot for him, a peace of mind for you. And, you know, you know where to find them for sure. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to be right there. Yeah. yeah. They're not um, running off eating out of the gut pile at the yeah. hunting camp, you know? <laughs> Catching who knows what. Yeah, okay. yeah, catching who knows what, yeah. being you know, off off in the woods. Exactly. Um, can you talk a little, you mentioned it briefly, but uh, the neck cue, the neck pressure. Um, I've heard that reference before. Like, can you talk about, again, talking about a young dog, like, like what does that start to do in them and kind of start to develop that, that neck pressure? It just starts to let them realize that when they feel pressure on the neck from pulling, that they don't get anywhere. So then when you go to leash work or check cord work, something like that, they feel the neck cue. It's it's easier for them to connect those dots and realize that okay, I need to give to this. I need to sit because you're pulling up. I need to walk back this way because you're pulling me this direction, or you know, different things like that. Mm. And, and you think not, any, any a, a lot of the obedience work you do at your side is all off neck cues, sure. well, mostly. You know, when you're teaching basic obedience, sit, come, lay, all this stuff. It's all you you. Cue the it's neck, all, all you know? the neck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until you get further on and flank and all that. But um, sure. I was going to say, oh crap, I forgot my my question. <laughs> um, neck cue, cut, cut. yeah, <laughs> rewind. <laughs> this is live, people. Um, so with neck cue, pressure, puppy, 
nope, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not there. It's going to come back to me in a second. Okay. Um, but with, um, How about some, could we talk about some things to not do with a stakeout? Yes. Thank you. Let's go okay. into that. So a couple things, um, one, when you're driving a stake, you want to, if you have clips on both ends, you want to take that off while you're driving it. Shock to those brass clips can cause them to, I don't know how it does it. I need to find a super slow-mo camera and watch, but it, it can cause those clips to get wrecked. Um, and just so everyone knows what we're talking about. It's, it's the, the, yeah, clip, the brass the, clip on the, um, the ring of the stake. Yeah. Okay. If you have, if, I mean, some people buy them from me with a stainless swivel and then quick, those are, those are fine to drive in those, um, those stainless swivels don't, they don't react to that shock like the, uh, brass it's, snaps. It's the brass one that's clipped onto that. Yeah. Um, you don't want to attach a dog to the end of your gang. If all you have is a straight stake down there. So like if, if you attach them to the, around the thimble or the loop on the main line, or maybe the O ring and all you have is a straight stake, they could potentially wrap around that. That's something you don't want to do. Mm. Um, definitely don't forget about having them in shade with water, things like that. And, I don't like to leave mine unattended on a game. You know, anything can happen. Um, it's just safer to not do that. Um, hmm, what else? I don't like rowdy dogs on the ends. I feel like they're, they're served better in the middle on the ends where my stakes are. I'd rather have Why my is calmer that? dogs. Because in the middle, they're going to move around a lot no matter what. When you drive those stakes and you have them angled out, those dogs are going to cause your stakes to walk up a little bit. If they're on the stake, they can move around or jerk around so much where they end up pulling it out. Oh, if um, they're on the end. Closer yeah, if they're to on the, the ends. Yep. Okay. So. And, and I've uh, heard people say to put young dogs or puppies in the, in the middle, towards the middle. Is there a well, reason for that? <laughs> I think, yeah, they say because they want them to get jerked around. They want them to get pulled when other dogs move and learn to give the neck cues. But I think with that cable and the weight of it, the fact that it's lighter, there's more pop to it. Hmm. I don't um, I don't like a, a really tiny dog in the middle when there's um, more rowdy dogs on rowdy both dog. sides. Of okay. yeah. I feel like they could get jerked around too much. But um, Yeah, so I don't, I don't use it like that. But Okay, okay. Um, and then you put out a really fascinating video uh, not too long ago on your social media uh, about how Ooh. to drive the stakes in. And oh, I'll, yeah. try to, I'll try to link to that in the show description here. Um, it blew my mind because here's what I was doing. I was putting each stake in just straight down mm-hmm. and I, I would kind of pull it tight, put them straight down and it would always get kind of loosened. Like the oh, stake yeah. and the dirt would just kind of give way. Again, without a video is worth a million words, but can you just kind of describe, I guess, briefly like like the process of, of putting a, a gang down so <clears throat> i start with you know you take one stake on one side you angle it away from basically outward from how your main line is going to lay you drive it in about two-thirds of the way you go to the other side if you catch the main line ring in the stake and you push it over a ways and then you can use leverage to so bad at explaining things. Like no, no it's, it's good. It's good. It, you can use leverage to get it really tight and to get it to the base of that stake before you start driving it. And then when you angle that out, that one outward, every time you drive it, it's getting a little bit tighter. And then you can go over and finish your other side. That uh, way your main line is like guitar string tight. You want it tight. You don't want a super loose main line. You don't want it, you know, in all 
pulled up into your dog's chest and things like that when they're moving around on it. You want it tight. Totally. So totally. as tight as you can get it, um, by that, that leverage thing is kind of like you're slingshotting it to the bottom of the stake. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so in the, the end, video, I can't explain. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I will link to it for sure. So both of those uh, stakes are going to kind of be angled out, right? Angled outward, yeah. And pounded pretty darn low to the ground. Pretty low to the ground, yeah. You want to get it as much as you can. The more friction and contact you have with the shaft of that stake, the, the tighter and more secure it's going to be in the ground. So, yeah, yeah you don't want to just... I know some soils you, you can't get them for, and it's just the nature of the substrate or whatever area you're in. But um, yeah, you you want to get them as deep as you possibly can. That's the you know the more secure installation. Well, that video was a game changer for me. So I'll oh, it helped you that. good, man. Oh, 100. percent. Nice. I was I was getting so frustrated. I was like, why is it so loose? Why is it so loose? And once I did this, it it keeps that main line nice and tight, which is which yep. is great. And even when you have them angled outward, your dogs pulling in the middle are gonna. They're going to stand them up kind of straight and you're going to get a little, a little loose, you know, it's going to get a little loose, but not as bad as it would if you went straight up and down. And, um, also don't hesitate to reset your stakes. You know, if your main line gets loose after a day or two, I'll pull mine up one side at least and reset them all the time. Sure. Yeah. You got to do a little little routine maintenance, right? Yeah. Just not with the dogs (laughs) on. Yeah. That's a good point. Another, another don't do. Um, Hey, I remembered what I was going to say earlier about the neck cues. This was like 10 minutes ago. Um, is the dog's learning that you're not in the equation, right? Like you're not exactly like you have nothing to do with it. They're learning themselves that, Oh, I'm pulling, I'm not getting anywhere. Like you said, you're not, Um, you're not keeping him on the chain. He's just on the chain. You know, you're not, he's not looking at you like, why aren't you helping me? You know, so he's not associating Will or Brennan with, Oh, I can't get off this pressure. It's annoying. Like, they have, they have no connection with us, which I think exactly. is a, a good thing. They're not going to associate a negative thing with with the handler. Right, right. Yep. Oh, that makes me feel and then so much they, better. Then they, <laughs> remember then, that. Then they associate you with something good when you come back and you have the treat or a bowl of water or something sure. like that that you're giving them once they're calm. Yeah. Like, oh, man, this guy's my hero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Food, finally. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was doing that. You saw uh, a couple couple days ago. Again, I got a trip coming up here um, with hunting season. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, like. Again, they're not on the, the line all the time, but I'm like, all right, right. let's start conditioning them. Because, yeah. again, when we're traveling, we're camping, we're staying in motels, whatever it is, like they're going to be on this this cable gang quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. So let's do the routine things like we're going to be doing on the road, eating, drinking, just yep. chilling, <laughs> being calm, you know. That's one thing I like to work on with mine because I hate when I'm traveling and my dogs go off feed. You yeah. know, they're used to eating in the kennel or at a spot in the house every day. And all of a sudden you take them on a trip and it's like, here, we're in this gas station parking lot. Here's your food. Eat it. Yeah. And they, some dogs will just not do it, you know, and they may not eat well for three or four days on a trip. Yeah. So I like to start feeding mine on the gang and just kind of get them used to it, offering food for maybe 10 minutes, picking it up. And then normally, you know, after a little while with that, you got them smashing it while they're on the gang, sure. which is, yeah. I mean, when you're traveling and hunting every day, that's what you want. You want them wolfing down all the calories they can get, you know? Totally. Yeah. And that, and again, it's that simple gang. That's, that's the association of like, Hey, I did this right. at home. I was comfortable and exactly. happy. So same thing at, at the, you know, truck stop or yeah. wherever you are. The rest stop area at yeah, two in the yeah. morning. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, good times, man. Um, well, if, if, if we think of anything else, I would love to, you know, feel free to bring it up. Uh, this is a very, <laughs> this is a casual podcast, you know, this is very formal. I'm actually surprised. very, I mean, yeah. You can tell I, I broke out the suit and tie for this. So, yeah. 
Um, I'd love to transition a little bit and uh, talk a little bit more about uh, about your company that you started. Um, you know, what what led you to start Cable Gangs? <coughs> um, the most pressing question that I have, and and all of America does, is why is it spelled G A N G Z? Oh, you know, <laughs> when you put the Z, it makes it cooler. You know. <laughs> It's really, ed- it's really been, edgy, man. I've been wanting to ask you that yeah. for ever since I've known you. I don't know. Just because I think with the S, it's like, you know, other people that sell it, they're like, we have cable gangs. So I wanted the company name to be, sure. I don't know, something different. Yeah, yeah. And plus, I mean, anytime I can use a Z in replacement for an S, I mean, I'm going to jump all over that personally. I don't know about you. but I mean, why not, right? Why yeah, not? You know, it's your company. You do what you exactly. want. <laughs> yeah. So what? So what led you down this path, man? What? Uh, what said? You know, what? What triggered in you to be like, all right, I'm I'm starting to make my own cable gangs. Going to be selling these. Like, what? What? Tell us that story a little bit. So 2020, I was working from home a lot. Every other week, I was at home. So I was. I'm here in the mornings when it's kind of cool. It's March. I'm working dogs a lot, and you know, I wanted to rebuild some of the cable stuff because I had been making them, you know, leashes and little little tie-out systems for on the road and at my house for a while. And um, they had broke. My, my main line on my shop had broke because I, I had, you know, I'd built them kind of not well. Um, so I wanted to buy some new stuff to make it, and I had an idea to get orange cable because, you know, I liked the way it looked. I'd see it better in the grass. But everything I was looking at to get it, um, to get it at a decent price, I had to buy bulk. So I figured, you know, I'd buy bulk and I'll make a few and I'll put them up on the Louisiana Upland dog or something web, uh, Facebook page and maybe, you know, sell some to pay for the excess that I had to buy. Um, and I was like 30 minutes I was sold out. So then I thought, you know, after researching to build them right, whenever I was, um, cause I had been doing it, swaging over the PVC and stuff when I was building them. And I was wondering why I was failing. I started looking up, you know, I started looking at um, rigging techniques and the proper way to swage and make loops and things like that. And um, so I thought, you know, nobody else that was making them was doing that. So I figured, hey, I can make these things that are really going to last and not fail like mine did. Um, So I started making them, practicing, using them for a while, handing some out, getting people, you know, people's opinion on it, seeing you know, because if, if you think you can make something indestructible, just make it and start selling to uh, bird dog people because they will show you quickly that um, You're gonna prove you wrong. there's a dog out there that can break anything you put out there. <laughs> um, so that's how I started, man. I started the company with like 400 bucks and uh, my wife thought I was crazy. And <laughs> She's like, what are you doing spending all this extra <laughs> yeah, time in the garage now? Exactly. She, but she had a she had a little side business that was really successful for a bunch of years that she started because um, she was a stay at home mom with our second kid, and um, you know she's she's a busybody man. She wasn't having it, so she starts this business, Be Pure Apiary. So she's got bees and she makes uh, food wraps and stuff like that with it, with the products from, that she gets from the hives. And um, I started leaning on her a lot as far as like mm. sourcing and things like that and getting an LLC and all because she had experience with all that. She's Still kind of thought I was crazy, but now she's kind of like backing away from that and helping me out a lot now. So there you go. Weird, but team effort. Circle. Team Hell effort, yeah, man. So, so it sounds like it, this kind of came about out of, again, kind of a need. Like you, you broke your previous system and then you started looking around of like, all right, like I think I can build this myself. And then it sounds like right. you just had some 
some iterations. You kept testing and testing and, and kind of figuring out what was going to be the, the secret sauce. Can you kind yeah. of, um, for those listening, maybe they haven't seen Cable Gangs, haven't checked it out. What's kind of the basic components of it? it it's a, a like an aircraft cable, like the, the center of that main line. Yep. That's what they call it, aircraft cable. Uh, my main lines are 316th inch, um, 7 by 19 construction galvanized cable. Um, it's about 4,200 pound brake strength, the cable itself. Um, I swage button stops along the main line in pairs at drop attachment points every six feet. So you take what's called drops, and it's the smaller cable, eighth inch cable, uh, coated to 316th, and it's um, like 1,900 pound cable. Um, and that's one that attaches from the dog to the main line. To the dog to the main line. And you, you put the clip in between the two button stops, which holds it there. And then you have your dogs every six feet. Um, I make all kind of different uh, configurations of that. I make permanently attached ones, which some people like because it's got the quarter inch uh, stainless swivels between the button stops instead of being able to remove them with the clips. It's more secure, definitely. Um, it can be a pain to roll up the longer systems because all your drops don't come off. They're still attached whenever you go to roll it up. But um, I like those. I finally messed up on one the other day, so now I have a big perm to test out this season. So that's how <laughs> I get all go. my cable gangs that, that I use. I, I mess up on somebody's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> then it's mine. <laughs> and you're like, well, so, well. yeah. Uh, that's cool, man. What, uh, just kind of like the business side of things, like what have, what have you learned over the last – you've been busy what year and a half almost two years now two years yep well Um, maybe some learnings that you've you've taken away of of starting this business and uh being being successful at it i i didn't have a business i don't have a business mind at all i'm not going to even say i didn't like i do now but uh no i don't have a business mind man so it was like learning to account for all my expenses not you know sweeping anything under the rug or not accounting for an expense when i'm coming up with prices on things um that was something that I wasn't good at initially. Um, uh, sourcing things, hmm. just you know, customer service, man. That's that's kind of what sets me apart. I don't. Somebody breaks something and they didn't buy it long ago. I'm not going to ask them a million questions and try to blame it on them. I just replace it, you know. Hmm. That's, that's, that's been something I've somebody. I've really appreciated, man. It's just. Um, you know, nothing's, nothing's broken for me or anything like that, but, um, you know, questions, I I have a silly question on, on a steak or a drop or something. You, uh, you're, you're quick, you're honest, you're, you're upfront. And, uh, I I appreciate that about you. Appreciate that. There's other companies, other companies building whatever vests, cable gangs, Mm -hmm. things like that. And, uh, so having someone that, that is attentive to their customers is, it makes a huge difference. So I appreciate it who's in dogs and obsessed with dogs is is another good positive. You know I mean? I'm using this stuff every day, you know? Yeah. It's like me and Uh, between me and my buddies and people I send stuff to across the country. I mean, we get, we we put it through the ringer before we put anything out there. So, yeah, I bet. I bet. And so you personally, you're making all these still yourself, right? There's no, there's no one helping you. Besides your kids, maybe, right? (laughs) I've seen your kids helping you a little bit. And my wife, Allison is doing all the shipping right now. And she normally, We'll cut all the main lines and stuff for orders that we get for one day. So I come home and they're in the shop ready and I just start making them. Nice. Yeah. Is, it, is it a pretty labor intensive process? Like, like how, uh, give us a, is there an average of like taking a, a, let's say a four dog system? Like how long does that take you to make? If I was just making a four dog, um, start to finish maybe 20 minutes. I don't know. I batch okay. things, you know, so I'll make sure. I'll make a hundred drops, 70 to a hundred drops once or twice a week. 
and then I'll do like, I don't know, maybe in a day, five or six main lines. That, and I'll do all the all five of those main lines, whichever ones are next in um, in line with the orders, and get those out. If it's if it's roading rigs, I'll do. Say I have four or five orders, I'll do maybe three of them up until. You know, because I, I, I don't want to go over my lead times or anything, so sure. I'll do what I can handle in an evening, and I, I kind of batch things like that, you know. Yeah, but that's that's cool, man. I, I love seeing the behind the scenes stuff of cutting and oh yeah, <laughs> wrapping the cables, and it, it's a fun process. It looks like yes, yeah, I, I like doing it. I love making the things. There, uh, somebody who's not talented and can't make things perfect, cables a good medium to work with because it's kind of <laughs> like you end up with this thing that's really nice, and it's like, man, I built that, but you, you I mean, it's not that hard to build. Yeah, <laughs> it's just some measuring and some smashing of aluminum is all it is, uh, man. The, the orange, uh, the what do you call it? the orange stuff that wraps around the cable? Was that called? It's um, it's just a PVC jacket. So okay. it's, it's a PVC with certain additives in it that give it properties that make it um, make it bendable, uh, UV resistant things, UV resistant, uh, temp res, you know, resistant to extreme hot and cold. Okay, and still you, remain you to, pliable. Is that the heat shrink stuff? Like you have to heat that up then after you put it on the cable, or no? The heat shrink is just to cover the ferrules. Those aluminum ferrules. So what you do is oh, when you smash those aluminum ferrules, you're cold forming it to where the surface. So w- the surface lay of those cables, once you sh- strip that PVC off to where you're going to smash the aluminum ferrule, the the surface lays, it's not perfectly round, right? You got dips and divots and valleys and all this stuff. When you smash the aluminum ferrule on it, what it does is it cold forms to that shape. And you do a certain amount of crimps for each size ferrule. And it holds it tight enough to where the cable will break before it pulls mm-hmm. the ferrule out. If you're stripping that PVC off, sure. Before you smash the ferrules. Oh, that's cool, man! I yeah. love that. I love it. Um, anything? Uh, I know you got the roading rigs that you, you recently put out, right? And is I'm that, loving those, is that like, man. Is that like a um, more of like a flexible kind of thing? Yeah, it's half, half inch shock cord. Okay. So that I go uh, take a big half inch ferrule, a cable ferrule, go around it with uh, stainless clips on each end. And then I got a big, basically a big industrial hog ringer that I'm using to uh, crimp it to where it doesn't come out, you know, doesn't pull free from the loop. And they come out about 17 inches long. I tried to make them as short as I possibly could because it's a lot easier to make up length than it is to get rid of it, you know, if they're too long. So try to, about uh, what I came out with, with the best benefit you can get from the stretch and not just get to where it's not stretching enough, 17 inches was about perfect. Sure. With the length of snaps I was using. So, And, and is that 17 inches stretched or 17 inches not stretched? 17 inches not stretched, um, total length, end of clip to end of clip. So Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, cool. it's sturdy bungee. So, I mean, the dogs aren't like bouncing around on it, you know? Sure. It's just enough to dampen that shock of you hitting a big rock or, you know, I put up a video not long ago of my dog, like lunging at a mouse that came across the road and that the, uh, you can see that bungee. It like <laughs> it absorbed a lot of that shock, but, um, That's good. yeah, hitting bumps and stuff like that. And just keeping, keeping strain off their joints, just that yeah. jarring, uh, eroding or pulling against a chain or a rope or something like that. Totally. Totally. That's awesome, man. Anything, uh, anything new on the horizon that uh, you can share with uh, share with our listeners? That's that's maybe coming up. That's maybe exciting. A lot of stuff, man. Yeah. Um, harnesses. I'm looking into getting some harnesses to be able oh, to nice. offer those along with the roading rigs. 
I'm still, still at some point I want to release that force fetch, uh, table kit with the, the, um, the pulley and the cable and somebody gives me a length of their force fetch table and I can just send them the, uh, the main line fitted up with, uh, what are those called? Turnbuckles. And, um, oh, nice. you know, different, different length drops and things like that to where they can just kind of yeah. be set up, kind of plug and play. Oh, Brandon, um, I'm going to be your first customer. Man, I know. <laughs> Sign me up. I want to get them out so bad. I just hadn't had time to like source the turnbuckles and things like that. Um, sure. It's just, it's just stuff I, that I want to do, but just being a, yeah, basically a two person show, I just hadn't had time, you know? <laughs> totally. <laughs> a lot to do. So it's a little a lot time to do. Yep. I need, <laughs> I want to do stainless steaks eventually. Um, okay. Have some stainless steaks I can offer, but right now, man, materials are just, they're so high that the guy that I'm working with with my steaks right now, he's just like, man, it'd be, I don't know what he told me it, my cost would be, but it was like, we're not even going to mess with it right now. Um, hmm. I got an idea for longer steaks, like some 30 inches and, um, you know, offering those with swivels or without, um, eventually. And I, I am currently right now working on getting some hats. So I do want to get some merch. Um, very cool. You got to have merch to be a legitimate company <laughs> I mean, nowadays. Are you, you know? even a, yeah. are you even a legitimate company without exactly. merch? I mean, that's the question. I don't even have a hat on my <laughs> website, man. I'm a poser. You do have stickers though. Come on, you got stickers. I do have stickers. I send them out with each order, but right now I'm out of them and I haven't had any to send out all week with orders. I'm oh, pretty no. disappointed about that, but I got another <laughs> thousand or so on the way. Um, oh, there you go. And look, if you if if you ordered and you didn't get a sticker and you want one, shoot me a message. And I'll just mail you one. Um, hey man, people love their stickers. I know that. I know <laughs> they are it, obsessed. I love them. You love them. We all do. Yeah. Uh, everyone loves them. You, you put them over, you know, your your vehicle, your cooler. You That's know. right. Yep. Stick them on your kids. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's exciting, man. I'm excited yep. for that. Um, I, I just started looking into building a, a force fetch table. I got a force nice. fetch win probably after this season. And uh, I'm not, I'm no engineer. So, but I'm, but I'm thinking about, like, okay, how do I do, I can build a table. Yeah. Like I've built a, the podcast table. I'm, I'm talking to you from right now, but then I'm like, okay, then the rest of it, like the cables and so if the, pillars and all that stuff that's what i'm kind of thinking about like okay how do i do that well where do i get the materials so that would be that'd be awesome if you go up if you do four by four uprights and you kind of you know chalk like a 45 in between it and the table just like a like a drop yeah. from a cutoff or something and you get that measurement for me we can get it set up yeah, it's not going to be cool. hard because i i can send what i plan to do because you know some you want to go shorter than longer because longer is going to be ruined but i'm going to send a couple extra quick links whenever i do it to Make up for that length, maybe if the you know if you got some bowing inward when you go to oh, attach okay. the uh, cable and stuff like that. But it it'll work out if you get it set up and you want. Yeah, you want to try one? Just let me know. We'll uh, we'll use you as a yeah, guinea pig, sure. man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll do, man. We'll do. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome, man. What's uh what's been the biggest uh, biggest uh, tie-out system you've made for uh, maybe a custom order? Shoot, I made. It wasn't one, but I made a guy who was a from Colorado. He was a like bear cougar hunter. I want to say he was like government commissioned for some of the states that he was in. But he bought eight, three eight dog, like mainline cable drops, big giant clips on them. I mean, it was like I I, 
I couldn't hardly roll those things up whenever I was trying to fit them <laughs> into a box. It was like I had to send two boxes to the guy. I said, oh man, you gosh. see, you're never going to get them this small again. I was like, when you go to roll them up, just make the biggest loops you can possibly make. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah don't even worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> these, those are probably the most robust ones I ever made. Um, yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. Well, awesome, man. Um, as we start wrapping this thing up, um, one of the things I like to uh, like to talk with every guest about and just kind of get their take. Um, talk to the, to the new upland hunter out there. Uh, maybe someone heading into their first season. Uh, maybe they just picked up their first bird dog. Whatever the circumstances might be, what's a piece of advice that you would share with them uh, heading into their first uh, first season? Have fun. Have fun and get a get a mentor with the dog training part because somebody out there that knows their stuff and is willing to share it with you is invaluable. Um, be honest with them. Tell them where you mess up. Tell them if you lost your temper, tell them if, you know, I corrected here when I shouldn't have, find somebody you can be honest with, you know, um, and just go have fun man. put in the miles. Hmm. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. Be honest. That's, that's, that's something no, no one shared before. And I think that's a really key part is like, be honest of, of your mistakes and Hey, I, this is what our last session right. was like. Here's what happened. Here's what I did. Here's what the dog did. Um, cause that's going to give that, that mentor, that person you're working with like fuller context. Exactly. Of the situation. And some people, you know, as a mentor, somebody you, you admire and they kind of maybe don't want to look as bad in their eyes. And so they won't be completely honest, but yeah, you gotta be honest with them. I'll call up Frank and I'll tell him, I tell him everything. I tell him too much sometimes. <laughs> Shoot, man. So Frank's the one we need to have on the podcast. <laughs> Frank Verrett, man, the Cajun. That's right. Dude knows bird dogs, man. Oh man. We didn't even talk about talk about food, man. Louisiana's got some good food, don't they? Man, our gas station food is probably better than uh, half the restaurants in Colorado. <laughs> You're probably Dude, not wrong. You pull up You're in a random Chevron around here. They got gourmet fried boudin balls in a hot box right there by the register, man. It's like... Okay, hold on. I don't even know what you just said. Okay. Repeat that. So... Boudin ball? Boudin. B-O-U-D-I-N is what they're called. It's like this rice dressing thing. <laughs> they deep fry them naturally because it's healthy. Of course. And, um, you know, stuff them with like uh, pepper jack cheese. So fried, fried and yeah, stuffed. Yeah, for the antioxidants. And uh, they... <laughs> Man, they are good. They're amazing. Okay, so go, so go on. So hold on. It's fried. It's stuffed with cheese. It's like this rice dressing like, thing. So it's like rice, meat. Um, rice and meat, basically, is how they come when you don't have the <laughs> just, cream cheese and stuff jammed you in just it. combine rice and, and make meat. a ball out of it and deep fry it. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if I'm excited to try one of these or <laughs> turned you, off. You would be excited. <laughs> They're so good. Um, they got oh, those. Boudin, they make boudin, like little boudin? boudin egg rolls and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> they got it all, man. Oh, my gosh, Brendan. Your um, arteries don't stand a to, chance if you come down here. I'm going to have to so. Google this. After. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. <laughs> so that's a whole other podcast we'll do yeah, on Louisiana food. Yeah. Um, stay tuned for part two. Um, <laughs> a couple, couple rapid fire questions, uh, before we wrap this thing up, um, Brennan, for you, what came first, the dog, the gun or the bird? Uh, the dog, man. Yep. Okay. I'd say the dog. dog I, if I could do, I don't know about what came, they probably all came about the same, but if I could only do one thing, it would be run dogs. Love it. Love it. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the field to chase woodcock 
and why? Uh, Charter Arms, twenty-two blank pistol. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, there you go. Threw me for a, threw, threw me for a second. And I've got a uh, I sh- my regular gun that I shoot with is just an old Super ninety Benelli. Um, my dad got it for me when I was this gun was bought for me in like nineteen ninety two. So it's just an old Super ninety Woodstock, nothing fancy. I like an auto loader. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not a gun connoisseur. If you wanted to get, you know, some people probably give you some rare answers of these fine doubles they had, but I just, that's never, never been my speed. So you're into that blank pistol. I like that. I like that orange blank pistol more than I want a $10,000. <laughs> hey, pro tip. Uh, okay. So, you know, we talked about this a, little, a couple weeks ago, the Ram set, uh, 20 yeah, yeah. from like Home Depot or the hardware store. Is that like a, like a undiscovered secret? that people can so. use those in their 20s because you can get cci blanks as well that are made for like you know being blanks but they're not expensive either and you can find them but like okay. the ram sets you can always find ram sets you may not be able to find the brown or green like you want you may have to get some that are going to have your ears bleeding but you can always find them <laughs> okay, anything yeah. anything Similar. green and up you better have some dang Oh my goodness, dude! Man. I got the greens right now. I have two boxes of green to go through. Still bad. <laughs> I, I'm, I have to wear hearing protection because I will be dead. Do you get sprayed on the back of the leg by that powder sometimes when you're shooting them? Oh, it, sh- it shoots fire yeah, for I sure. Mean, you can get stung <laughs> back there. You got to really point that away yeah. from you. <laughs> that's hey, that's exactly no, why it's on that box. These are not for use in theatrical productions because they're not. You will put somebody's yeah, eye that's out. Why. Those that's why. things. That's. <laughs> That's a good point. Man, they mean um, it. I, I posted a, a photo one time, and someone, uh, I called two people, reach out, and they're like, "Wait, you can use Ram Set in in these?" I'm like, "Someone, I think my mentor showed me yeah. that." He's like, "Yeah, because they're always available because you're looking for the CCI ones, and you know, back what year, year mm-hmm. and a half ago, you can never find them." And he's like, "Go to Home Depot," and I, sure enough, I'm like, they were stocked yeah. up. <laughs> so the Browns are probably the they're probably the best all around for not hurting your ears, but still getting the, that level of excitement from your dogs to kind of like yeah. desensitize them to that when you're trying to make them not want to move on the yeah. shot, you know? Yeah. I got to get some of those. All right. couple more here. Uh, favorite dog breed besides the ones you own. I like them all, man. If they hunt, I love them. Uh, but if I had to pick, <laughs> one, pick one, it'd probably be um, a setter. Maybe I like those long tails, man. They, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's those tails find birds. <laughs> a lot of people like to say the tail doesn't find birds, they but find, I'm here to tell you, they man, find more birds with a longer I tail. Think it's okay, you heard it here first. Folks. around to them, you know. I mean, I got one dog with a 15 inch tail. Now, you tell me that doesn't come into play with that dog finding birds, man. I'll, I'll folks, call you. You heard liar. it here first. The longer the tail, the more birds you will exactly. find. <laughs> Yeah, but any dog, man, I love them all. If they hunt and they're intense, I love them. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, uh, fantasy hunt. Uh, tell us where you're going, what bird you're chasing, what dog you're bringing, and uh, I think that's it. Oh, and who are you who are you gonna bring with you? My fantasy hunt would be taking a litter of pups up north, man, to uh, like go. North Dakota or something, and running on Huns and Sharptail, kind of you know, late one Heck summer yeah. and just seeing. Seeing what I had, you know, if I ever were to breed a litter or something like that, that would just be a dream, man. I couldn't imagine anything more fun than going up there with a bunch of eight or nine-month-old dogs and just letting them rip and roar. And by the time, you know, you take up a bunch of wild pups and you leave with a bunch of bird dogs ready to get some polish put on them. 
Love it. Love it. All right, last question. Beverage of choice after a hunt. Perrier, man. <laughs> a what? Perrier. Perrier. Yeah, it's, fr- it's French. Um, sparkling water. You guys are fancy. Yeah. You guys are fancy Essence down there. Essence of pineapple or strawberry. Um, so we're not doing like LaCroix or something? or Those are fine, but it, really most of the time it's probably coffee. Even after, even wow. after, yeah, because I normally got a decent wow. drive home, man. I'll shoot out two or three <laughs> hours just for a half a day hunt. Yeah, heck, heck yeah. yeah, you're committed. Got to be you're committed, man. Well, Brennan, uh, this has been a ton of fun, man. What uh, I'm, I know you're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, everything's at Cable Gangs. If they want to learn more, yep. check out your uh, tieouts. Heck yeah, man. CableGangs.com, C-A-B-L-E-G-A-N-G-Z.com. That's the website on uh, Instagram. Cable underscore gangs and on Facebook I'm just cable gangs all caps. So I get that Z yeah, in reach there. out. If you want custom work, check out the website. I got some pictures of some custom stuff I had up there, but I mean, people message me all the time for stuff. If you you might like some clips that I've never even heard of in my life. If you want them, I'll get them for you and set up a system with them. I'm actually going to be sending you an email here very shortly with a, <laughs> it's a very small thing that I, I, I would like done and I was going to see if it's possible. So make it happen. Let's do it, man. Awesome. Brandon. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a fun, uh, getting to know you <laughs> having a couple yeah. laughs and, uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. Good, so man. You. I'm glad you had me on. Um, I enjoyed it too. Thanks, Will. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Take care. Well, that's a wrap of episode 61 with Brennan Landry. Brennan, thank you so much for your time and wisdom on the tie-out system and the importance of why and how to use one. Uh, it's been a very valuable piece of gear that has been uh, staple to running my dogs now, and whether it's training or hunting. Um, so, again, thank you for your time and wisdom uh, sharing that with us. It was fun getting to know you, man. We had some good laughs. <laughs> I enjoyed that quite a bit. Hey guys, don't forget, uh, if you want to help support the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, Those reviews and ratings uh, really just help serve the algorithm gods, I like to call it. Um, (laughs) That is Apple and Spotify. And so the more ratings, reviews that uh, a show has, the higher it's going to get up in a search when someone searches hunting podcast or bird dog podcast. Um, so would love to help get this show out there to as many uh, people as possible who want to learn more uh, about bird dogs and hunting and just, uh, you know, learn from others. And so uh, it's been a ton of fun to uh, do this with you guys. So um, share it on social media is another way you can help support the show. Uh, again, helping it get out there to people who maybe have not heard about it before. Uh, maybe want to check out an episode or two and see if it's for them. So anyways, would appreciate any of those methods of helping support the show. Of course, uh, you can help support through Patreon uh, as well to become a Patreon supporter. Other than that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it's been so much fun. Brennan, thank you again. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Man, September's almost over. Let's go October. Let's, uh, let's get our bird dogs out there and uh, put some miles on those boots and follow your favorite bird dog into the field, the mountains, the Chucker Hills. And Chucker's open now, right? Yeah, so anyways, have so much fun. Take care.